0: You're listening to a free audio version of my show, Rebel Roundup, where we cover the hottest Rebel stories of the week. Today, my guests are Sheila gunn and Ezra Levent. If you like the podcast, and you should become a premium content subscriber. That gets you access to the video version of my show, as well as shows from Ezra Levent and Sheila gunn It's only $8 a month to subscribe, and as a special bonus for you, We're offering a 10% discount if you use the coupon code PODCAST. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. Well, that human rights case that made international headlines has finally come to an end. Jonathan, aka Jessica Yaniv, has not only lost his case against female esticians who refuse to wax his genitals, he's been ordered to pay them thousands of dollars too. Rebel Commander Ezra Levent joins me to talk about this rare victory for common sense in our system of kangaroo courts. And in a display, a shameful display of disrespect, Nova Scotia authorities ordered pro-military artwork to be painted over because, get this, it was a distraction. Our Alberta Bureau Chief Sheila gunn Reid joins me to discuss this latest example of bureaucratic insanity and finally letters we get your letters we get your letters every minute of every day and today some of you weigh in on that pint-sized climate crusader that's greta thunberg who recently flew to vancouver to lecture the rest of us about canada's evil fossil fuel industry and did you ever have a lot to say about that one those are your rebels now let's round them up
1: But even those moron, even those kangaroo courts, even those jokes, those unjust clowns, even they have their limits. And their limit was reached by Jonathan Yaniv, a man who now calls himself Jessica Yaniv, who tweets about having his period, his menstrual cycle, and things like that. I don't think he's crazy. I think it's an act. A pervy act to access women's change rooms where he takes photos. A pervy act to get access to naked teenagers who he invites to swimming pool parties. And most grossly, where he books appointments with aestheticians who are used to giving women bikini waxes. And he books those appointments as a woman, pretending to be a woman, claiming to be a woman. Then he shows up as a man and insists that they wax them and that they touch him and do to him what he wants. And often, by the way, those estheticians happen to be immigrant women working from home. He literally comes to their house and he does this again again and 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 again. And when they say no, he demands money from them. He sues them at, you guessed it, the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal. I mean, if you get 50 grand for not wanting to wash your hands as a McDonald's employee, for the human right not to have to wash your hand before touching a hamburger, why not? I mean, it's not like he has to pay for anything. It's all governed, all covered by the government, and they do say he has a right because they're discriminating against him on the basis of gender identity. He says he's not a woman. He said he's a woman, excuse me. <clears throat> he's not, but he says he is. He says he's a trans woman, and he says that's the law now. So he took all these women to the BC Human Rights Tribunal, and he managed to get them prosecuted, to let him prosecute them in in secret, as in, he got to hide his name. He actually played the victim. He claimed he was in danger, so he (laughs) managed to get a publication ban on his own lawsuits, so he could, could continue to go out there and harass and entrap other women. This happened. Well, it also happened that he finally got the ruling from the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal, and he lost, and it is glorious.
0: Well, last week, hell froze over. Well, that might as well be true because something very, very unusual happened. The British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal ruled against a serial complainant who was abusing the system. That person was Jonathan, a.k.a. Jessica Yaniv, whose campaign to force female estheticians to wax the genitalia has failed spectacularly. And joining me to talk about this is our very own rebel commander, Ezra Levant. Now, Ezra, you, of course, have had plenty of experience with these human rights tribunals, a.k.a. kangaroo courts. What do you make of this somewhat stunning decision? Because not only did Yaniv lose, but he's on the hook for something like $6,000 in damages.
1: Yeah. First of all, it's extremely rare that a human rights complainant has to pay costs to his victims. That's standard fare in a civil court. If you sue someone in contract law and any any other normal dispute, you'd better win or be prepared to pay not only your lawyers, but your opponent's lawyers if it was a spurious case. That's extremely rare in human rights tribunals, which tells you how egregious his conduct was. I read the 60-page ruling in the case of Yaniv versus more than a dozen of these aestheticians, almost all of whom were foreign-born, like immigrant women, yes. most of whom were working out of their house, their kids were at home, it was just a way to make a few extra bucks. And Yaniv would target these women, go to their homes, he would often trick them by sending them a picture of a real woman claiming that was him, Then he'd show up and and he would trap them. And he filed 13 identical complaints in the course of three or four months. This was his job. And the Human Rights Tribunal was his weapon. It was the tribunal that was his stick to threaten them. The tribunal bizarrely agreed to give him a cloak of secrecy to let him sue them in secret. We don't believe in secret suits in Canada. Mm. That's... That's something that reminds one of the star chambers hundreds of years ago. Uh, One of the important characteristics of our suits is that they're transparent so everyone can learn what the rules are, everyone can see justice is done. Yaniv got the Human Rights Tribunal to let him attack these women in secret. It was only later when the cloak of secrecy was uh, removed, when our friends at the Justice Center of Constitutional Freedoms came in to defend these women, that everything started to come apart for Yaniv. And what's so incredible is the Human Rights Tribunal in BC, which is the worst in the country. Yep. These are the kooks that fined McDonald's $50,000 because they were making someone wash their hands. Can you imagine? And, and they ordered McDonald's never to do that again. Thank God McDonald's is ignoring them. Um, like, that's how but, crazy this is. But
0: McDonald's is obligated to ignore them, Ezra, because in the real world, real laws, you can't be a food handler and not washer. Yeah. yeah, well, that's
1: how that just shows you how crazy these yeah. human rights commissions are. <laughs> and the tribunal member who ruled against Yaniv is crazy. <laughs> She's so far out there, I'm embarrassed by her. <laughs> but even she could see that Yaniv was, in her words, an extortionist. Yeah. To call someone an extortionist, extortion is a crime. Yeah. To, to say that Yaniv targeted these women for a financial shakedown, that he lied, that it was extortion, that it was about financial gain, that he had a racist undertone, that is the most, it really is the most stunning rebuke I think I can remember. I, I'm trying to remember a, a legal judgment that is so absolutely sledgehammers the plaintiff like this, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, and the fact that the Human Rights Tribunal itself said this, says two things, Yaniv was so far out there, yeah. but also the Human Rights Tribunal realized that they, because they were the weapon here, they in a way were on trial too. And once their publication ban was lifted and the whole world, and the whole world, is watching the craziness here. The Yaniv story is a global story. Yes. In America, in the UK, people, in Australia, people yep. follow it. And they were all laughing at the Human Rights Tribunal. And it reminds me of when the Human Rights Tribunals went after me, when they went after Mark Stein. I'm talking around 10 years ago now. Yep. Uh, I remember the front page story in the Vancouver Sun, the BC Human Rights Tribunal murdered its own reputation. That's what it said about Mark Stein's case. So, uh, the BC Human Rights Tribunal gave belated and limited justice to these estheticians, but what it was really doing was saving its own reputation because had they done anything else, the political will to shut down these kangaroo courts once and for all would have been a tidal wave reminiscent of the anti-human rights commission mood a decade ago when they went after Stein and me and others like that.
0: And, and, and it's so well chronicled in your book, Shakedown, of course. But, you know, Ezra, it's a bittersweet victory for these estheticians, isn't it? I mean, um, yes, they prevailed. But where I'm coming from is that this these cases should never have been heard. I mean, yes, the tribunal, uh, thankfully for a change, ruled correctly. But why didn't they look at this complaint crunch it up, and throw it into the round file in the first place?
1: Well, the obvious answer is that in the game of politically correct poker, you're a middle-aged white man, so it's like you've got a high card of an eight. It's about the worst (laughs) imaginable card. I'm Jewish, so it's like I got a pair of twos. You know, if you're a woman, maybe you're three of the kind. If you're gay, if you're black, whatever. The highest, like the royal flush, is trans. Yeah. And so normally you'd say, oh, immigrant, like the, the, the ruling, the 60 page ruling goes through various women abused by Yaniv. Um, a Sikh woman who doesn't speak English well, a Brazil, a woman from Brazil who doesn't speak English well. Normally these people would be like four of a kind yeah. in politically correct poker women of color, immigrants, poor at home with the kids, working moms. Like normally that would be an extremely high poker hand. But Yaniv comes in and the whole world is crazy. I mean, listen, we're watching in real time as the idea of women's sport is being utterly annihilated by these loser guys who can't win a contest as a guy. So they just say, I'm a, I'm a girl now. <laughs> and then they just <laughs> smash the girls and they say, I'm the best woman. <laughs> and the whole world says, you're nuts. Well, that has infected the law. And the very first paragraph in this ruling, and I read it in my video, the BC Human Rights Act does say that not only is sex a protective characteristic against which you can 't discriminate, but gender identity and gender expression are too. Well, what do those made- up words say? Those are words that ten years ago not a single human being would say, "So what? gender expression gender identity? what do you, no one in fact, to this day i 'd say ninety percent of real people don't even know what those words mean, hmm. but it 's the law, and it is what that means is you can't make any decisions about someone if they say they're a woman or say they're a man or pretend to be a woman or pretend to be a man. You can't discriminate, choose, decide based on that. So in that way, Yaniv had a case.
0: Incredible.
1: Because, and you... (laughs) I hate to give that monster, that predator, that extortionist, that shakedown artist, that bully, that racist, that madman, that criminal, I'll call him a criminal. I saw how he hit you with a cane. I hate to give that criminal madman and his deranged mother any credit at all. But the law does say in black and white that you can't discriminate against someone in B.C based on their gender identity or gender expression so some six foot six linebacker walks in and says i'm a girl (laughs) well that's called gender identity because he said he's a girl or if he puts on a wig i'm a girl well that's gender expression so you've gotta let him in the girls change room and if you don't the plain reading of the law so I, i i don't I hate to give any credit whatsoever to that monster, Jonathan Yaniv, that serial predator, but the law enabled what he did. But you you know,
0: Ezra, how perverse is this? I mean, some people might be saying, oh yeah, a couple of white straight guys weighing in on someone in the trans community, but there were other prominent members in the trans community um, decrying this fraudster, yeah. saying he's a liar, um, ha- want nothing to do with him. I mean, I think it's appalling that in the media when they put a descriptor on Yaniv, it's trans activists,
1: when other trans people are saying, what are you talking about? Yeah. This is
0: a con man.
1: Yeah, listen, there, there is a, a thing of gender dysphoria. There is a thing of people, you know, transvestites and transgenderism is was not just invented five years ago, although it was only about five years ago that the American psychiatric association literally had a vote Mm -hmm. at a committee at a conference to remove transgenderism from a mental illness to like a political statement, like it was a political vote to say, oh, that's no longer mentally ill. I think that a guy who wants to dress up as a girl or a girl who wants to dress up as a guy has some issues. And I don't think the reflex from society should be punish them, hurt them, be mean to them. I think that they should have all the rights of the rest of us, especially the right to be left alone. And I think that until a few years ago, most transgender people were just dealing with some issue. And in fact, some transgenders pass as women completely. You wouldn't even know it. They're not even trying to make a fuss. But Yaniv is a con man who has, don't take my word for it, (laughs) Uh, the BC Human Rights Tribunal calls him an extortionist who gamed the system. So he's just like, and you see this more and more, you see criminal men who say, hmm, so you're saying if I just call myself a girl and put on a wig, I can go in the girls change room and instead of calling the cops on me, you'll actually escort me in and arrest anyone who's against, are you serious? And you see sexual predators who are convicted and sentenced to prison say, I'm a girl now put me in the women's prison and Justin Trudeau and his government have changed the procedures at Corrections Canada. Now, any criminal who gender identifies as a woman gets to not only be incarcerated at a women's prison, but gets to have female guards search him. So,
0: Ezra, what happened to the old chestnut of Public safety always takes predominance because you put a guy in a woman's prison, here is someone with greater muscle mass, uh, bigger lung capacity, more testosterone. You go, you go right down the list. It's the very reason for, the, you know, the, the reason why uh, for forever uh, athletics has been divided into two what divisions. Which is why we, the, we have
1: males, men's women prisons and women's prisons in the first place. Exactly. You know what, I mean, I, being a natural compromiser and a diplomat, would say why don't you have a trans sports league, men's league, I agree. women's league, and go have your trans league. <laughs> and if you have a men's prison and a women's prison, maybe even have a trans prison. Yeah. But, and that would keep the con men out of the women's prison, which yes. is, and Jonathan Yaniv, in my view, belongs in prison because we know about the 13 women he tried to abuse who fought back. Yeah. But was there only, were there only 13 women? Or were there more? Were there women who submitted? Were there women who either paid him the shakedown? Or, God forbid, were there women that he effectively sexually assaulted? That he got away with it? I mean, 13 women, immigrant women who didn't speak good English, who probably didn't know their rights, who did not have lawyers until our friend John Carpe showed up, 13 women had the courage to stand up to this grotesque bully. Good for them. That's probably more courage than you and I would have, given the lack of knowledge of the system, their lack of knowledge of their rights, their poverty. Who did he destroy? We will likely never know.
0: That's so sad. As we almost have to wrap it here, one last question. I'm just wondering, Ha, is this a come-to-Jesus moment for the B.C. Human Rights Tribunal in that they're going to be less insane about their decisions and the complaints they uh, accept, uh, or is this a one-off? And I say this in light of the fact that just a few days ago it made it into the press that James Serenowski, out in the Edmonton area, this is the man who is suing parents uh, for not being hired as a babysitter, has suddenly uh, withdrawn his, his complaints. So do you think we're having a reset here, or is just is, is this just one anomaly in terms of common sense and reason winning for a change?
1: The B.C. Human Rights Tribunal today is the worst it has ever been. If you thought that McDonald's $50,000 punishment for making someone wash their hands was weird, that's playtime compared to where they are now. Huh. The only reason they threw out Yaniv's case and gave him, and by the way, I forget how much he had to pay these women, maybe it was a few thousand bucks. In civil court, 13 defendants, he'd be out 100 grand. Yeah. So it's a slap on the wrist to him. Um, and he's laughing off the case. He says, oh, they misunderstood. He's laughing at them as, and why not? Yeah. Um, the answer is no. Okay. The human rights tribunals are worse than they've ever been. The two cases you've mentioned have only been lost by these abusers because of media attention and that's the only reason mark stein was acquitted a decade ago and i was acquitted a decade ago was because of media scrutiny were it not for the sunlight of media scrutiny every one of these abuses would have gone the other way and the bc human rights tribunal was a party to the persecution here and it was only when the publication ban was lifted and the justice center got involved they are worse than ever and as far as we know there are other trans activists doing the same thing but they've evaded media scrutiny so it's like a secret deal an inside job they have with these tribunals the only answer is to shut them all down and salt the earth because they are kangaroo courts is an insult to kangaroos (laughs) kangaroos didn't do anything wrong kangaroos don't destroy the rule of law but these un-Canadian uh, tribunals do
0: you know unfortunately Ezra, I tend to agree with you and there you have it folks I mean I really think that no matter how ludicrous the complaint is a human rights tribunal in this country will listen to it because what is the number one job of any bureaucracy it's to grow the bureaucracy and turning down cases is simply bad for business what a disgrace keep it here more Rebel Roundup to come right after this
2: flag, the Red Cross, as well as the branches of our military, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Army, painted within a maple leaf. They were left unaccosted by the government since June, but they're gone now. Halifax today has the whole story. A man named Colin called into News 95.7's The Rick Howe Show to take credit for the artwork and said, he's disappointed they've been removed. I painted them on the rock walls to make a statement that we should honour our veterans and they should not be forgotten, he said. I put it there for them and somebody took it away. Colin said he painted them in June along the 102, also known as the Veterans Memorial Highway, to mark the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings and the Battle of Normandy. I wanted people to enjoy them. ...to reflect the past and the effort by the military and other individuals, Collins said. Then, the Nova Scotia Liberal Transportation Minister Lloyd Hines weighed in on the whole debacle... ...defending the erasure of the great murals and congratulating his ministry for the well-done work of it all. We are charged with public safety and we are very diligent about the right of ways in the province that we have control over, he explained... Our field staff are constantly monitoring for any kinds of distractions that might cause accidents. Hines said the paintings would be removed whether or not there was a complaint, but if one was filed, that might speed up the process. He added, any advertisements, murals, or graffiti that pop up without a permit are removed by staff. Oh, good. The minister is bragging about how fast his overpaid government ditch sensors are working these days.
0: A Nova Scotia man took it upon himself to create some graffiti in honour of Canada's military. And what do you know? The local authorities ordered it painted over. Their reasons seem pretty arbitrary though. Our Alberta Bureau Chief Sheila gunn Reid thought so too and she investigated and now she's here to talk about what really happened... So, Sheila, do you buy into this business about the bureaucrats saying that this pro-military artwork was a distraction?
2: You know, there's a lot of things that go on, you know, on the side of the road that the government doesn't find distracting. For example, big billboards. And I, I like billboards. We get we get our own and we put them up along the side of the highway. But if the government isn't finding those distracting, then how can they find these Um, really they're smaller murals. They're, they're not even as big as a person, you know, they're, you know, a couple feet across a couple feet high, um, painted on rocks. Um, I don't know how the government finds these so distracting that they might cause a car accident, especially in particular, one of the murals was actually painted over previous graffiti that the government never got around to dealing with because apparently that graffiti wasn't um distracting but now these new murals that are dedicated to our military on d-day on a highway that's the veterans memorial highway um it's just crazy and it didn't make any sense to me at all
0: and and sheila I, i think that's a very important point about the distraction element for example i i frequently use toronto's gardner expressway and anyone that's familiar with that expressway in downtown toronto You are surrounded by three, four, five-story high billboards in HD that, you know, are, are portraying everything from the latest horror movie trailer to um, Victoria's Secret lingerie ads, you couldn't possibly get more distracting. And this is all approved by government and of course taxed by government. Uh, So the idea that these giant HD video screens right in front of an expressway is okay, but some little hand-painted rock is gonna cause cars to careen off the highway, I'm sorry, Sheila, I, that doesn't compute for me.
2: No, and, and the transportation minister uh, in Nova Scotia was sort of patting himself on the back for the good work of it all. They were He was sort of bragging about how efficient these government workers are that they went out and, and painted away these murals. Um, I think what people don't realize is that highway is where the fallen soldiers for the region that's where their bodies are repatriated Mm. on that road and so um you know for those murals to be painted over as distracting um you know it was never distracting when the residents of the region stood along that highway and stood on the overpasses to show the respects for the repatriated fallen, but now um, these, you know, really small, incidental—they're not even all that colorful murals on the this rock face. Um, those are distracting. It it just doesn't make any sense.
0: And, and you know, Sheila, what I'm worried about is what maybe the unspoken strategy is here. If there's somebody in the transportation ministry who is simply anti-military. I say that because let's say this mural was something like, I don't know, the LGBT rainbow flag. Do you think there would have been this same uh, fervor to get it all painted over and and, and out of sight? Or do you think maybe, uh, you know, the authorities would turn a blind eye to that?
2: Oh, they probably would have turned a blind eye. And if somebody had taken it upon themselves to spray paint over it using distraction as an excuse, we'd be seeing a hate crimes investigation. <laughs> um, but, you know, I do have a very uh, heartwarming, I guess, update to this story. Oh. Um, after our story came out and sort of shone a national spotlight on this. You know, quite frankly, I'll agree with you. It's sort of an anti-military sentiment that permeates um, much of uh, left-wing politics and municipal politics are often as left-wing as they can get. Um, a couple of veterans went out there and repainted them. Oh. Now they're not exactly the same. They're a little bit different. Um, the mysterious Colin was the gentleman who painted them the first time. He didn't do it this time. A couple of veterans went out there And they said, this will not stand, we're going to repaint them, and hopefully the government will leave these murals unmolested until at least Remembrance Day. So um, good for these guys, you know, uh, good for um, them taking matters into their own hands and sort of pushing back against government. (laughs) It seems as though the stand for freedom is taking place in a rock face somewhere outside of Halifax.
0: You know that's very interesting. And, you know, and, and Sheila, just to go back to the very genesis of this was was this government workers or the 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 transportation ministry acting on its own accord, or did they get some complaints or just one complaint? Because you know, as we've seen in other stories, it's it's, it's another facet of motoring. I guess um, all it takes it seems in Canada for uh, you know somebody to have their vanity personalized license plate removed is to get one single complaint even though the plate has nothing to do with what the complainant thinks it's all about. I talk about, if if you look at that um, fellow in uh, Manitoba, I believe, with Assimilate, he's a Star Mm -hmm. Trek fan. This is a a Borg reference. And somebody in Ontario that saw the plate online thought this was about assimilating natives, and his plate is gone. So I'm just wondering, did we ever get any clarity if this was one particular uh, person with a grudge against the Canadian military that got this ball in play in the first part place?
2: The, the transportation minister wouldn't say, but what he did say was, um, you know, the, the highway workers are out there patrolling all the time for graffiti. Give me a break. <laughs> and, and, and if there were complaints received, it would expedite the process of painting over this stuff. Pretty convenient that all of a sudden, just before Remembrance Day, these paintings are painted over. Um, I suspect there was a busybody who did complain and instead of um, government reacting with some common sense, which is asking for more than the government is willing to give us these days, they just went out there and painted it over. Instead of saying, you know what? This is on uh, a Veterans Memorial Highway. This is where uh, the bodies of our fallen are repatriated. Let's just leave it. Um, they just went out there willy-nilly and painted it over with big, huge splotches of obnoxious white paint, which is, I don't know, kind of distracting to me too. I would be more focused on what exactly I <laughs> thought they painted over than the paintings themselves.
0: You know, that, that's just incredible, uh, the perversity, Sheila, that there's this Offensive mural uh, bureaucracy department patrolling the highways of the province uh, looking for things to uh, censor. How about this? Patrol the highways looking for potholes to fill in, and then you'll have the public on your side 100%. Um, I I guess the only other question, Sheila, if, if I'm to, you know, play devil's advocate here to be a contrarian, what would you say to those that say, well, you know, I'm all about free speech and freedom of expression, and all that, but you know, we can't have a uh, a society where people on mass go onto the highway and start painting rocks with every possible message there is. And you know, it, at one point, it it, it does turn into uh, a, you know an eyesore. Um, what would you respond to those people who say that you know I can understand what the government did in this case, as it wasn't approved?
2: people aren't doing that though people aren't going out there and just painting things all over the rock faces and this is the military I think we can give um, an exception to things that honor our fallen things that honor our veterans just use some common sense there are there can be some gray areas in the law uh, around these things that should unite us all as part of our Canadian identity and I would think that our military heritage is one of those things
0: Well said, Sheila. And let's see how long uh, this new paint job lasts. Uh, I can't imagine. I mean, that'll be really, I think, bad PR on the government side if they paint that over, especially this close (laughs) to Remembrance Day, just being 10 days away. So thank you so much for this superb piece, as always, Sheila.
2: Great. Thank you, David.
0: You got it. And that was Sheila Gunn Reid in Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Do you find it a little perversely ironic that there's a um, a climate change rally where the focus is on pipelines and the oil sands and carbon emissions when here in BC, unfortunately, uh, this province leads all others in terms of raw sewage going into the ocean?
2: Uh, most definitely we need people like uh, Justin Trudeau down here to um, come and see what's
0: going on and considering that the strike today is being led by Greta Thunberg of Sweden who is one of the biggest um, teenage uh, climate activists so just wondering where Justin Trudeau would be at and maybe we can uh, come to some kind of um, compromise or make some policies and change in the world.
1: That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so I, I don't have much of an opinion, but uh.
2: so there's a many, many things that could be cleaned up. but I think the most pressing one right now and the one that's in the news is the pipeline and which involves tankers. And so that's what we're concentrating on right now. <laughs>
0: Do you think that should yeah. be uh, a number one priority for both us and the fish?
2: No, not number one. No.
0: Shouldn't that be the number one priority from environmental?
2: No, that's not the
0: worst thing. It's bad. It's bad. Well, what brings you here, man, today?
2: My uh, sort of sense of social justice and hatred for people who don't understand simple things like how to get along with each other and share the wealth.
0: Well, the St. Greta Thunberg World Tour continues. Well, that tour doesn't actually venture into those truly despotic parts of the world that truly need a lecture on environmentalism, mind you. But when the great Greta dropped by Vancouver last Friday for the latest so-called climate strike, there was plenty of love in the air for Sweden's pint-sized climate Cassandra. Uh, There was also plenty of wacky tobacco fumes in the air and, in truth, tons of illogical thinking. Indeed, why is it that so many climate change protesters want the oil industry shut down, yet they themselves make full use of the products derived from the petrochemical industry, in order to enhance the quality of their lives, of course. In any event, here's what some of you had to say about the latest sad installment of Greta Mania. Teacher Teacher writes... Just a bunch of Marxists that want the government to run our lives. You know, there is a lot of truth to that, folks. There were numerous far-left cranks at this rally, distributing socialist literature and demanding that the wealth be shared. Makes you wonder if this new whiz-bang green movement is in reality just the ghastly, old-fashioned red movement reimagined with a fresh coat of paint. Gary Fitzsimmons writes... 2019, and we're still falling for cults and witchcraft. Well, I'm not sure about the witchcraft part, so let's cut the Wiccans some slack here. But for sure, there is a cultish vibe in the air when you go to these climate protests. And I don't know about you folks, but personally speaking, I'm not someone who's going to take his life lessons by following a cult led by a 16-year-old high school dropout. And Brian Sullivan writes, turn off their gas and electricity for a week and see how they feel about oil use. (laughs) Ha! Turn it off for a week, my friend. They'd be screaming after being deprived for a few hours. Look, even assuming one were to buy into the idea that we are living in a so-called climate crisis right now, the problem with these rallies is the incessant preaching about doom and gloom and the end of the world being imminent. But where are the solutions when it comes to weaning us off fossil fuels? They do not exist, at least not yet. And hey kids, how about this concept? Instead of playing hooky every odd Friday for the sake of creating climate change awareness, how about going to school, actually hitting the books, and coming up with tangible solutions to address climate change? Or is that simply too much heavy lifting? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for tuning in. And remember, folks, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.